Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jared Bailey from Laces Out. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. You don't got to pay anything to use Anchor. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Laces Out. Jared Bailey alongside Kurt Homiser. Kurt. How you doing today, buddy? I know we're still in the midst of this weird time here in the world. How, how have you been handling everything? You know, we've been uh, doing okay. I've uh, I've been instructed by the government to sit around and do nothing. So I can do that. Uh, I can do that, but it's getting a little old. So hopefully we can figure everything out and get back to normalcy and uh, get some sports going on because I do miss the sports world very much, my friend. As do, I'm sure, a lot of people out there, but... We're trying to provide some entertainment for everybody. Um, so today, um, talking NFL free agency, NFL draft with Rudy Carpenter, former quarterback at Arizona State. Spent a little bit of time with the Cowboys and Buccaneers, and you can hear him now on Sirius XM. Rudy, thanks for coming on, man. I know we had a lot of technical difficulties, but we got all that figured out. How you doing? Oh, it's all good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, happy, to, uh, happy to talk some football. Uh, I think right now that's the distraction that all of us need from everything going on in the world. So, again, as we mentioned, um, NFL draft coming up relatively soon. Um, I think the quarterbacks that are really high in this, obviously we got Joe Burrow. Um, we've got Tua. If you were a team right now, I mean, you're looking at the top five. There's potentially three quarterbacks that could go in the top five or top ten-ish, um, That kind of that range. Um, so if you're a team right now, say that you're the Chargers, um, they say they don't plan on adding a free agent quarterback or making a move for one. Um, who do you see them selecting if they do go quarterback? Do you see them pot- uh, potentially moving up? Well, I mean, I think that anything can happen at the quarterback position. Look, uh, uh, when you turn on you know, ESPN or you turn on NFL Network or you listen to the pundits talk, everybody talks about how the NFL is a quarterback-driven league. Obviously, the rules... Um, benefit the offensive side of the football and quarterbacks, but I'm going to maintain what I've said on uh, you know my radio show here in Phoenix or my podcast here in Phoenix or or on Sirius uh, XM or Mad Dog Sports, different shows I do. And to me, I think it's less about who the players pick. I'm sorry, it's less about who the teams pick to be their quarterback. And I think it's more about the infrastructure of the organization. It's more about the organization having a plan for that rookie quarterback coming in there. Um, I love Joe Burrow as a player. I think he had a great season. He had a magical season. He deserves to be the number one overall pick. I still think people should be cautious. I'm always worried about a guy who's only done it for one year at a high level. But with that being said, I don't care what quarterback you put in Cincinnati. That's NFL Siberia, and that's a place that that, uh, it doesn't matter what quarterback you have. You're going to struggle to be able to protect that quarterback. You're going to struggle. Any any quarterback's going to struggle there. It's very, very difficult. One of the quarterbacks I spend a lot of time working with is Ryan Finley, who got a chance to start them for a few games this year. He obviously struggled. And the the, the point is is that 
I, I refuse to believe that all these quarterbacks over the however many years who've been high picks or first round picks, number one overall picks, have all been bust. I think the main thing is it's these organizations that don't have a long term plan. It's the Cleveland Browns who select Baker Mayfield and say he's not going to start. We have Drew Stanton and these guys, they start on day one. It's the organizations like the Bills. Yes, they've had a great turnaround. Yes, Sean McDermott's done a great job. Maybe it's not a good example, but it's we're going to draft Josh Allen. We have A.J. McCarron, and we're going to we're going to start A.J. and blah, blah, blah. Then right away, uh, uh, Josh Allen's the starter. And so I guess the point is, is I think these teams, it doesn't matter who you take. If you're the Chargers, if you want to, if you want to take Justin Herbert, if you're the Chargers and you want to take Jordan Love, if you're the Chargers and you want to try to figure out a way to get to attack of my I I don't care who the guy is. If you're the if you're the you Los Angeles Chargers, you better have a plan in place, uh, an organizational plan to, to give that quarterback everything he needs uh, to be successful, which means uh, obviously the right coaching staff, the right system, the right players in place, um, and the adequate amount of time with the same front office and the same coaching staff to be able to allow that young player to develop. And, Rudy, that's, that's a good point because we look at some of the teams that really struggled last year, obviously Cincinnati, uh, Miami's up there too. Those, those are the two teams that stick out because they're most likely going to get their quarterback here. But from what Miami has done this offseason, I think that they are going to be at least a seven-win team next season. I think with everything that they put together, if they can get their quarterback, I think they're going to go with Tua at five. There, If, they're, if, if not at five, they're going to move up. I think Tua is their guy. I think Miami could make some noise. I don't think that they're going to be really contending for the division or anything like that, but I think that they, they're in a very good spot to kind of make a big turnaround and take a step ahead of where Cincinnati is because, like you said, Joe Burrow is going to come in. He doesn't have an offensive line. He doesn't really have weapons. A.J. Green's on the wrong side of 30. He's got a bad defense there. So Joe Burrow is really going to – I think I think he's going to have some tough times coming into the NFL in his first year. Yeah, I think Joe Burrow's definitely going to have some tough times. I mean, we've seen that with Sam Darnold. I like Sam Darnold as a player. I thought he was a good player coming out of college. He's a guy we knew that was going to turn the ball over. But again, being in a dysfunctional Jets organization, maybe they've turned the corner. Who knows? The way he finished the season this year was really, really good. We'll see what happens. But again, um, you know, it's, it's these organizations, uh, uh, in my view, do a real disservice to these young quarterbacks. Playing quarterback is such a hard position to be successful at it. It's a position that you have to have a, a, a real confidence, you have to have a real swagger, but it's also a, 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 a position that you have to learn to get comfortable with failure. If you throw the ball at a 68% completion percentage, 67% completion percentage, you know, that's obviously really good. Uh, I don't know if you guys have kids, if you had older kids and they were getting that type of score on their tests regularly, you guys wouldn't be happy. And, and the point <laughs> is, is, is it takes a special person, a special organization, and like I said, the infrastructure around him. To go to your Miami Dolphins point, the Miami Dolphins have done a lot of interesting things in the offseason, but I also think that Coach Flores being in, in Miami, but also being in New England for so long, and seeing the stability at the quarterback position, but also understanding what it's like to have a veteran player in place. I'm not 100%, and I know it's Tom Brady, and it's hard to find another Tom Brady, I get all that stuff, but I'm not 100% convinced, like everybody else is, that Brian Flores is sitting there saying, hey, we have to take a quarterback at the top of this draft. I could be totally wrong, and I know I have an unpopular opinion when it comes to Josh Rosen. I guess what I'm saying is with Josh Rosen, I don't think he's 
you know, maybe as good as everybody thought he was at UCLA to be a potential number one overall pick. But I also don't think he's as bad as everybody's trying to make it out to be right now. I guess what I'm saying is that when he was here in Arizona, this was a, it still is, even though Steve Kime has gotten himself out of hot water a little bit, especially with the DeAndre Hopkins trade. But this organization out here in Arizona, one I follow closely, I did a, I did a podcast on, on Josh Rosen called The Rosen, when I had a podcast this last year on Kyler Murray called the K-1 Podcast. This, this team, when Josh Rosen's first year here was awful, I don't believe it's fair to judge Josh Rosen at all based on that year he had here with the Arizona Cardinals. It was a horrible situation on the offensive line. It was a horrible situation with David Johnson. It was a horrible wide receiver situation. Yes, from a physical and mental standpoint, he struggled at times. He missed throws. He looked uncomfortable. All of those things. But there was also times where he played really, really well and he made some great throws. He showed you the tools as to why he was a top 10 pick. Yes, in Miami again, it wasn't like he played great, but that's also been an organization as of with that dysfunction. I guess what I'm saying is that I believe Josh Rosen is smart enough to play quarterback in the NFL. I believe he has the physical tools to be a starter in the NFL. I believe he's more athletic than people give him credit for. And also, I think one of the things that Josh Rosen was able to do here in Arizona was he was able to say, hey, some of the things that people thought about me, such as uh, – uh, you know, maybe I'm a prima don, or maybe I'm not as physically or mentally tough as, as some people want quarterbacks to be, or maybe I'm a little arrogant or not very self-aware. When he was here in Arizona, people loved him in the locker room. The community loved him. He showed to be more physically and mentally tough than people get credit for. So I guess what I'm saying is that we all know that, that drafting young quarterbacks has been very, very difficult. This projecting them and developing them and their success has been very, very difficult hard to come by. So if I'm Brian Ford, maybe he's sitting there saying, like, hey, we have a bunch of teams on this team. Do we really have to go quarterback high in the draft? Or can we maybe see if people we have here right now? Or maybe maybe see if Josh Rosen is our guy and then and then draft, you know, for some depth or some other position to help develop this group. Now, look, I know I'm in the minority. That could be wrong. But, again, with Coach Flores coming from, from New England and him watching how that organization has handled draft picks for so many years, it wouldn't shock me if they went a different direction. I mean, me and Curtis talked about this with Omar Kelly before in terms of if they do decide to go quarterback, which many believe that they will. What does happen to Josh Rosen? Because the past, you know, the first two years of his career, he was in NFL purgatory. I mean, you mentioned Arizona. They had a horrible offensive line. David Johnson dealt with an injury. And then he shipped off to Miami. Horrible offensive line. They trade away uh, Kenyon Drake. They really don't have any stability on offense um, until they kind of find their groove late in the year, winning five of their last night. But Josh Rose was never really given a chance to compete there as Ryan Fitzpatrick was the starter for the majority of the year. So I think that Josh Rosen's a very interesting piece in this. Kurt, where would you maybe see uh, Josh Rosen ending up? Uh, do you think that they keep him around? I know that Omar said that he thinks that they keep him around. Yeah, I mean... I, 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 scale and because of what, what it's been able to do as far as the affordability of young players and rookie players... Uh, or I should say guys in their first contract, it does give some flexibility to the Miami Dolphins to say, hey, Josh Rose is a, a professional now. He's going into year three. He understands how the league works, and he'd rather have a job here than nowhere. And, and he, can be a, he can be a good, solid backup for us for a reasonable price for you know the next however many years. I, I can see that happening. But again, 
you know, you just look at all the quarterbacks. I'm a quarterback guy, and, and, and all these guys who have been drafted high every single year, and the vast majority of these guys don't pan out. And the reason why they don't, well, there's a lot of reasons, but you look at a place the Miami Dolphins. It's, you have to hear a coach there, and you have two bad seasons and, and really terrible seasons, or some of these coaches who deal with some blowout losses that get run out of town in, in two years or in three years, or if you're like Steve Wilkes in Arizona after one year. And so, so many of these coaches are are definitely afraid to draft young players, especially young quarterbacks, to be responsible for those guys and have to, have to develop those guys um, when those guys are fighting for their jobs. That's why you see so many retreads. You see the Matt Moores and the Chad Hennies and the Drew Stantons and the Derek Andersons and, and all the A.J. McCarrens and the Brian Hoyers and all of these guys who just stick around for a long time, the Chase Daniels, the Josh McCown, even as backups. And that's because in so many of these situations, so many front offices and so many coaching staffs value familiarity over talent or young talent that needs to be developed. And so many of these coaches or front office guys don't get to stick around long enough to develop guys anyways. So, look, I, I don't really know. I'm a quarterback guy, and I guess all I'm saying is if it was me, if, if, if I'm some of these teams, I, I, I tend to think that it might be better when you have so many needs it might be better to go ahead and trade back in the draft. If you still find a quarterback you like, do it. Um, if not, you can, you can never have too many wide receivers and offensive linemen and linebackers and defensive line and DBs. And you can never have too many of these guys. And, and, again, I know it's not the norm. I understand quarterback play is super important. I know you know how valuable the position is. I understand Patrick Mahomes made the difference for the Kansas City Chiefs in winning a Super Bowl, but we're not too far removed from Blake Bortles playing in the AFC Championship game, or at least I should say even the AFC playoffs. And we're watching we're watching uh, Ryan Tannehill last year, I guess, revitalize his career. People were were excited about him, and he, he's now convinced Tennessee Titans that that they need to re-sign him to a massive deal. No, get back to the Super Bowl, I, I, I guess. But I, I just don't understand as a quarterback guy. Sometimes I think maybe replacing a little too much value on some of these guys, not enough value on all the other fishing groups that it takes to win a football game every single Sunday. Yeah, and I think, I mean, kind of a hot topic going into this draft and this whole offseason is the Miami Dolphins because of how much draft capital they have, how much cap space they had going into this offseason. I mean, they have three first-round picks. They got two second-round picks and a third-round pick. So, they got some high draft picks here. Obviously, they're sitting at 5, 18, and 26. So they can really make some uh, make some noise here and uh, kind of build up their team, make a young team for maybe a, a run here at, at a playoff spot and maybe build some momentum here forward. So, Jared, I know you and I like to talk about the Dolphins a lot here. We like to talk about tanking teams. Yeah, that's, te- that's kind of our thing, and we threw a, a big party on the podcast whenever Jameis threw 30 interceptions, and that is what I wanted to get in next with you, Rudy. Um, Jameis Winston's still available. Cam Newton hasn't, uh, re- hasn't signed with a new team yet. Where do you see either of them landing? Do you see either of them being starters? Do you see both of them being starters? What, what's the future hold? We'll start with Jameis Winston. Where does he make the most sense for you? I mean, man, that's just, it's, it's such a hard, it's such a hard thing to predict. Look at a guy like Jameis Winston. Yes, you can say what you want to say about him turning the football over and not protecting the football, and maybe that's a reason why a guy like Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots maybe don't think that he would fit with them and be their guy because, you know, obviously Bill understands how important it is to 
cannot turn the ball over. And I, and I think most people feel like right now you're not going to be able to coach that out of Jameis because that's who Jameis is. The same reason why Jameis Winston was a top guy in yards and top guy in touchdowns is the same exact reason why he's a top guy in interceptions. And so, you know, as an organization or a team, you have to you have the infrastructure to be able to deal with that and, and prepare for that. Very, very difficult to win games like that. So, I mean, you sit here and you look at teams like the Chargers and you wonder, you know, are they in position to make a run at Cam Newton? They publicly said no. I think their offense, with what they do with guys like Mike Williams and the, the franchise tag with Hunter Henry, if he can stay healthy, and, and some of the other guys that they've brought in there, I think this offense is actually interesting for a guy like Cam Newton. I think this, this Chargers team uh, is ready to win. And, and to be honest, I think over the last couple of years, there were so many times where the the lack of mobility or the inability to be able to move around with Phillip Rivers really hurt this team. If they could get a guy in there who can make all the same throws that Phillip can, the season bet, he can, he, but he can also add the dynamic into being able to scramble and move around and extend plays and lengthen plays and, and find off-schedule completions. But Cam also uh, provides you um, to have a little bit more diversity in the run game. He just re-signed Austin Eckler, who's also a good receiver. I think that's an interesting place for a guy like Cam or for a guy like so seems to, like the Chargers seem to think that Tyrod Taylor and Easton Stick are plenty and, and they either want to address that position with a rookie. Um, it doesn't seem like they're in the market, but I do know this. Whatever team that, that Cam or Jameis goes to at this stage, at least, they're probably not going to be a starter and they're probably going to be on, on, you know, for the most part, friendly contracts, one-year deals or two-year deals, and and so if you're a team that is in that market and you want to kick the tires on a guy, I mean, look, I, I think Jacksonville's an interesting place. Yes, they have Gardner Minshew, who I guess they like, but why would you kick the tires on a Jameis Winston or a Cam Newton? I don't you know. I think about yeah. it. So, um, there, there are some interesting situations out there, um, but uh, as this moves along deeper into the offseason, I think that both Cam and Jameis are going to have a hard time finding places to, to be the bona fide starter or something that happens soon. I think, I think if you are an NFL fan, if you're just even an average fan that just loves watching the NFL, you want to see Cam Newton suit up for the L.A. Chargers next year because you have Cam Newton coming in wanting to prove something on a Chargers team that is loaded that should not have been that bad as they were last year. They dealt with a lot of injuries, but... They've loaded up that defense. They signed Chris Harris Jr. for that secondary that was already strong with Der- Derwin James. They have Joey Bosa there. They brought in Linval Joseph for that defensive line as well. They build up that offensive line a little bit, and they still have players there. They're, mo- they're losing out on Melvin Gordon, but like you said, they, they re-signed Austin Eckler. So you bring in Cam Newton there, that just that pumps the whole team up. That gets them going. Cam wants to play. I think that's the perfect spot for them if they want to make a run. Sign them to a one- or two-year deal. You can even still draft Justin Herbert in, uh, at the sixth spot and see where it goes from there. But for me, I think the ideal landing spot for Cam is the L.A. Chargers. But, Jared, I know that you love talking uh, new landing spots for quarterbacks. So what do you think? Where, where should Cam go? I, th- I mean, I agree with you, mate. I think that the Chargers are the best spot for him. I think that if you add Cam Newton, not not to disrespect Tyrod Taylor or anything, but we haven't seen him start in a couple years um, even when he did start, he was never, you know, a, a guy that you won because of. You won at, you know, as he was managing the game as best he could. He doesn't turn the ball over, but won't throw for a lot of yards. He's just very, he's the definition of game manager. Um, 
Uh, his feet give him a different um, aspect than most quarterbacks, obviously. But I think with Cam, who a guy who's a former MVP, I think you throw him in the mix with the Chargers right now. Like, I mean, we talked about this before. A two-year deal with that's maybe front-loaded, and if he underperforms, then you wave him next year, you trade him next year, and you cut your losses. But I think that Cam to the Chargers makes a ton of sense. And if that were to happen, I think that skyrockets the Chargers up to a very serious contender in the AFC. Rudy, I think that... Um, when we look at other landing spots for you know quarterbacks that have already been signed, Carolina, since we're talking about Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater now the quarterback uh, for the Panthers. What do you think about that signing? Uh, I don't really know how to feel about Teddy Bridgewater myself. I think that um, you know he went undefeated with the Saints last year in his, I think, five starts. Um, but he, didn't, he never really blew anybody out of the water, not really a guy that is known for a big arm. What do you think about Teddy to Carolina? ton of sense. I think it makes a lot of sense. Obviously, when Teddy's been healthy and he's had a chance to play, he's played well. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, Has he done it for a full season in a while? No. Has he been a franchise guy for a while? No. Um, has he had those same uh, responsibilities and leadership responsibilities in the locker room with the media and the community and also with the team? No, no he hasn't. But he, he's played really, really well last year when it mattered. Um, the way he's carried himself has been great. He's been a true professional. I think that stuff matters. Um, I think that you look at Pat Rule and the guys he's had success with, obviously he's had success with T.J. Walker, it's why he's there now. Um, and he's had success with guys like with guys like Teddy Bridgewater, that same style of play. So I think that makes him feel better. I also think that with Joe Brady being there, coming from LSU, previously with the New Orleans Saints, obviously he understands that, that Teddy Bridgewater is going to step in there day one and have a complete command of the offense and a complete command of, of what Joe Brady's trying to do on offense. As a matter of fact, he'll probably even bring more to the offense to be able to expand on what what Drew Brees and, and Sean Payton had been doing you know, over the last year when, when, when Joe Brady was gone. And so I think it's a really good signing. Um, I, I think it makes a ton of sense uh, uh, to me. Um, and, you know, you have to understand, too, that when you have a, a new owner, a new general manager, you have a new head coach, you know, these guys are, are going to want to uh, build their own teams they're going to want to win and lose games with the guys that they brought in. That's just how this business works. And that obviously left him, you know, really on the outside looking in. He had their interesting move with Carolina. Obviously, trade Kyle Allen, the Washington Redskins. And it seems like, you know, they, they truly want him to go there and compete with Dwayne Haskins for the starting job. And, and if you're going to have an undrafted free agent come in, a guy that, you know, you traded for not a lot for, and, and, and a guy that, uh, you know, yeah, he started off playing five games, but, but, you know, there's a reason why he wasn't drafted. If you're going to have him come in and, and compete for the starting job, I think that tells us more about Dwayne Haskins than it does Kyle Allen. And then the question becomes, what happens with him if, if, if they end up deciding to go with Kyle Allen? I don't think that, that we know. Um, I think the thing that we do know is, is that quarterback in the NFL is a very, very hard position to play. Only 32 guys can start. And, again, um, whether it's a Cam Newton or it's Jameis Winston or it's Ryan Tannenhill or it's, or it's Tom Brady or it's any of these guys, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier, is it's so much more about the organization. It's so much more about the plan of the organization. It's so much more about the personnel that is already inside the organization. Um, all of that to come together for the quarterback to be successful, and I think the person who's going to find that out more than anybody this year is Tom Brady. Tom Brady's a great player. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. I can go on and on and on about all the things that he's done. But again, just because you're that guy 
changing teams and pretend as a collection of talent with, you know, O.J. Howard and Mike Evans and, and Ronald Jones and Chris Goodwin and some of these guys might matter. It does, but, but football um, is about execution and it's about consistency. Um, there's a lot of, of moving parts that, that, that go to this. So um, I, I think Tom Brady's going to find out uh, maybe, maybe, maybe the hard way this year, and, and uh, uh, I think that'll show everybody even more. Um, how important it is uh, from continuity standpoint for each um, organization to be successful. Well, Rudy, as a uh, as a lifelong Buffalo Bills fan talking over here, let me tell you how excited I am that I no longer have to watch my Bills lose to Tom Brady twice a year. But uh, I want to get your quick take here for all my Bills fans listening out there. I don't know how you're feeling here about – my uh, my quarterback there, number 17, Josh Allen, there's a lot of hate for him. There's a lot of love for him. But uh, you being an ex-quarterback in the NFL, I want to see kind of your perception of him and what you see going forward. He's still young. He's got a lot of things to work on, but he's got a lot of promise, I think. So what's kind of your your take here on, uh, on my guy, Josh Allen? Yeah, I mean, when I was watching Josh coming out of college, there's no question from a physical standpoint he's a gifted thrower. He's a gifted runner. He's a smart kid. Yes, you know, uh, does he have to clean up his accuracy? Yes, does he have to clean up his decision-making? Yes. But the thing that I love about him is, 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 is competitive spirit is really good. His physical toughness is really good. Wants to win. He cares. Um, I think his personality fits great in Buffalo. But more so than that, he's got a head coach in Sean McDermott who's a grinder who's kind of a red ass a little bit. Josh is a little bit of some of that, but it, but also a loose personality. Um, and and like I said earlier, I, I just I really like what the Buffalo Bills and that organization and Sean McDermott has done with Josh Allen. What they've done with Josh Allen is allow him to do what he does best, which is run around, make some plays, be a part of the run game, not have to read all these full field progressions, run the ball so much create single high safety and one-on-one matchups and allow him to pick guys out three snaps and throw them the ball on individual routes, comebacks, digs, out routes, go routes, things that he throws well. To ask Josh to run the West Coast offense and think and dunk and matriculate the ball down the field like Drew Brees does is not it's not what he does. And because of that, Sean McDermott has built a good run game around him. Sean McDermott has built a good defense around him. I'd like to see them add some weapons, which they did with Stephon Diggs. And now continue to build that offensive line, and and that place can be very, very difficult to play in Buffalo, especially if you can get late in the season and get into some of these playoff games and get some home pump-up games where teams got to come up there and play. It's very, very difficult, and I think that Josh Allen's style of fit and his and his attitude fits perfectly for that town and that team. Well, well you, might, you can. Oh, go ahead, Kurt. Uh, I was just going to drop this in. You might be the first guest that we've had on our show that uh, actually had talks pretty highly on Josh Allen. So I very much appreciate that. My that is actually probably accurate. Yeah, I've come to think of it. I remember when Omar was on, he just completely just dismantled you for being a Bills fan and Josh Allen guy. Yeah, so this might actually be a first in Laces Out history where somebody actually says nice things about the Bills and Josh Allen. How about that, Kurt? Rudy thank Carpenter, you. we can't thank you enough for coming on, mate. Have a good day. Stay safe. Um, again, thanks for coming on, and we'll, we'll talk down the road. All right, guys, thanks for having me on. Yep. Thanks, Rudy. Rudy Carpenter, former quarterback with Arizona State, hung around with the Cowboys and Bucks for four years.
And now you can catch him on Mad Dog Radio on Sirius XM. So, well, I am very happy. That just made my day that uh, Rudy Carpenter is not a Bills fan, but he's a Josh Allen fan. So there you go, he bud. Is good in my book. So now I just got to turn to you. Yeah. So um, yesterday um, I was bored, so I made a list of my top thirty-five quarterbacks in the league, um, and I wasn't really putting too much thought into these um i mean i had like my my top 10 i had pretty well you know thought out and then after that it was all right would i rather have andy dalton or ryan Tannehill? probably ryan Tannehill, so i'll put him up above him would i rather have you know dak prescott or matthew stafford i said eh, probably matt stafford but i posted on twitter and it got a lot of a lot of attention and a lot of, you know, lot of looking, love a lot of hate so yeah, yeah it was a it was this healthy mixture of hate and love from everybody on Twitter who has an opinion, which, you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not arguing that. I'm, I'm not going to hate the attention that it gets. You know, obviously there's going to be some people who enjoy it, some people who hate it. But, you know, that gave me a, the idea that we should talk about that today. Um, our top 20. I feel like 20 was a lot easier to do than 35. So I th- we each made our top 20 list. We'll start off with, Kurt, give me your top five. And then we'll go by integers of five as, until we reach 20. All right. So I think you and I and pretty much everybody that watches the NFL, unless you just don't understand football, can agree on number one, Patrick Mahomes, reigning Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl. Uh, was, he, was he MVP? He was, right? Yeah, he was Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, Super Bowl MVP. He shouldn't so have been, but Patrick he was. Mahomes, I got it, number one. <laughs> and then I got Russell Wilson out there in Seattle at number two. He's still... Still balling out there. And number three, who was not uh, number three on your list, but I got Drew Brees in there. Um, we talked about this on a podcast a few months ago, a long time ago. I feel like Drew Brees is not getting enough love because he is continuing to ball out. He is continuing to uh, dominate this league, and he's just not really having that much help around him. Yes, he has Michael Thomas, but he doesn't have a really – many wide receivers around him he has Elvin Kamara there but his defense doesn't really help him out too much so I think Drew Brees is still top five I think he's number three um number four I do have Lamar Jackson I know how you feel about Lamar Jackson I know you don't love him but you cannot deny that MVP season he had last year um outstanding year from him he was very fun to watch so I have him at number four and I got a Raj at number five Aaron Rodgers quarterback for the Green Bay Packers there at number five to cap out my top five. I will get well into Lamar Jackson whenever I have him listed <laughs> because I've got a lot to say. So I know you do. My top five, um, I do have Patrick Mahomes there. There's nothing to argue there. He's got the best arm in football, the strongest arm in football. He's the most insane quarterback in football to prepare for. He's so fun to watch. He can, I mean, we saw they were down 24 to three in a playoff game and then won by a landslide because Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things. So, He's an incredible talent, one of the most incredible we'll ever see. Um, he is definitely number one. Number two, I have Russell Wilson. Um, I think Russell Wilson is maybe the most underappreciated quarterback in the NFL. I'm not a big Seahawks guy, per se. I'm not that big of, um, I don't know how to put this. I'm not a big Russell Wilson guy in terms of, you know, guys I enjoy watching a lot. But he's, he's the reason the past few years they've been competitive you know, early on in his career, we gave all the credit to the Legion of Doom or Legion of Boom and not really giving a lot of credit to Russell Wilson. And ever since um, all those guys, 
on defensive left ever since it became his team. He has stepped up to the plate and he has very much delivered. They are competitive because of him, not necessarily in spite of him anymore. So Russell Wilson is my number two quarterback in the NFL. Number three, I have Aaron Rodgers. Um, Again, maybe the most talented quarterback we've ever seen, just his ability to make plays. Um, He didn't have any receiver help last year. Devontae Adams goes down. He's throwing to me and you. Um, in terms of receivers, I think it was uh, about a scantling for a little bit. If that's how you say his name, I can't remember half these guys' last names. So Marquez, Marquez, yes. So um, Aaron Rodgers, number three. Um, we'll see how that secondary bounces back to give him a little bit more help. They started off hot last year, kind of faded away at the end. So Rodgers, number three, number four. I got a lot of, I got so much hate for this, and it makes yes, zero sense to me. I have Carson Wentz at number four. Carson Wentz. Let me tell you, Carson Wentz, he just dragged a Philadelphia Eagles team who, for the vast majority of the year, had no Deshaun Jackson. Alshon Jeffrey missed time due to injury. Zach Ertz didn't miss a game, but he was injured um, in the final month of the season where he just was not the same player. Um, Jordan Howard, very much underperformed. I believe he was injured at one point. Darren Sproles is gone. Um, He was very much relying a lot on Miles Sanders, who also, I believe, missed time. So Boston Scott was his starter for a little bit. He's throwing to practice squad receivers. Two rookie running backs to rely on. Um, a defense that can't cover anybody. Pass rush was still okay, but they're missing parts there too because Chris Long retired. Um, so they had a bad, a horrible secondary, horrible weapons on offense. Carson Wentz still carries them to a playoff berth. Didn't have a receiver north of 500 yards on the roster. Carson Wentz is phenomenal. Only threw seven interceptions, over 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns. What else do you need to see from Carson Wentz to think that he's not a top-five quarterback? I, I don't get it, and I got so and much hate for putting him at four. Go ahead. I, I, I don't understand the hate. I really don't. I don't have him in my top five, but I do. I have him at seven, so that's not too far off. I think Carson Wentz is an outstanding talent in this league, and if he can stay fully healthy, there's no doubt that he's going to win an MVP in this league. He was very close that year that they won the Super Bowl. Mm. Obviously, he went down with the ACL, but if he can get back to that, if he can get some weapons, please, God, Eagles, get them, get him some weapons. Get him a wide receiver. Get him another running back out there. Um, I really like Miles Sanders, but that's about it. Boston Scott's not going to do it for him, so he needs some help desperately. Uh, they just lost out on Jason Peters, so that's a big hole on the line. So, he needs some help, but I do not uh, disagree with you there, my friend. I just have him sitting at number seven for me. And then at number five, I do have Drew Brees in my top five. Um, he dealt with the injury a little bit last year. Um, he missed, I think, what, five games. So um, that being said, I mean, he came back like he didn't miss a beat. Um, I do think they've become more reliant on the run game and short passing game. Um, so not necessarily a guy who's going to throw the ball downfield. It's a very much West Coast type system where it's short passes, it's get rid of the ball quick, it's give the ball to Alvin Kamara. So regardless of that, though, I mean, it protects the ball. He's one of the greatest to ever play the game, and he's still very much a top-five quarterback to me as well. Drew Brees is number five. I cannot disagree. As long as Drew Brees is in the top five, I am happy because I think he is one of the best quarterbacks ever to do it. I would put him on that list and argue it all day long. But uh, <laughs> So for my number six, even though he ripped my heart out and stomped on it in the playoffs, Deshaun Watson, I have him in at number six. Um, he has had his struggles through his career, but there is no arguing that this guy has all the talent in the world. Um, he just missed out, or he just lost out on his best player, DeAndre Hopkins, is no longer on the Houston Texans. So this will be a real test for him this year to see how he can do uh, with the weapons that he has. 
now he has David Johnson. He's got uh, Kiki QT. He's got Will Fuller out there who can't stay on the field. So this is a real test for him, but he has all the talent in the world. So uh, Deshaun Watson, I have him at number six for my top 20. Uh, like I said, I have Carson Wentz at number seven. And then number eight, Mr. Tom Brady. He was on a new team this year. Tampa Bay Buccaneers found their quarterback uh, after moving on from Jameis Winston. So I got Tom Brady in there. Obviously, what else can you say about him? He's Tom Brady. Everybody knows him. Everybody knows what he's done. So Tom Brady at number eight. Uh, number nine, I have Kirk Cousins. Uh, kind of a lot of controversy with this guy pretty much since he's started back in his times with Washington. But uh, there really is no denying that he, he had a good season last year. Uh, he dealt with some injuries from his offense with a lot of his weapons. Now Stephon Diggs is gone. So this is a big season for him to kind of prove it. He's got Adam Thielen still. So uh, a big season for him, like I said. I like Kirk Cousins. I like the way that he plays. I like the, the grit that he plays with. So Cousins at number nine. And then Matty Ice, Matt Ryan at number ten. He's been on a bad team for a long time here with the Atlanta Falcons. But uh, I think that him and Julio, uh, Calvin Ridley there too, it's a good good trio right there. So I got Matty Ice at number 10. So originally for me, number six, I had Tom Brady. And then when I was revising my list, um, I actually put Deshaun Watson at number six as well. Um, you know, I love Deshaun Watson. I remember last year when we were doing um, our pick segment, they were playing Baltimore. And I was the most confident person in the world that the Texans were going to win because I just loved Deshaun Watson. And then they got absolutely annihilated. And I had to hear it afterwards. But Deshaun Watson, one of the best talents in terms of the quarterback position in the game today. His ability to, uh, he reminds me of a young Ben Roethlisberger just running around, um, escaping the pocket, making crazy throws. Um, I love everything that he does. Uh, Very mobile, able to make plays with his feet. Deshaun Watson, very, very good at number six. And then for me at number seven, I do have the reigning NFL MVP, Lamar Jackson. And I'm going to say this. Yeah, okay, so let's hear it. Michael Vick, we never consider him, we never have him in the conversation of GOAT quarterbacks, correct? Uh, no, I don't think the GOAT, but uh, he, he's definitely up there with, with top quarterbacks, but not 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 up there with... In terms of greatest of all time, he is, right, he's right. never... A, I've never seen one list okay. where we rank top five quarterbacks of all time and somewhere number four is Michael Vick. You know why? Because he's yep. not. He's not. The most electrifying player in the NFL for north of a half a decade, no doubt. He's was the best player in the NFL for north of half a decade, no doubt. But in terms of arm talent, in terms of pure passing the ball, no, he's not a top five quarterback of all time. He's not one of the GOAT quarterbacks of all time. The same thing is true with Lamar Jackson. He is by far the most electrifying player in the NFL. He's hard as hell to game plan for, and he's insanely, incredibly talented. But in terms of arm talent, he's 26 in pass attempts, 28th in yards a game. Because he doesn't throw the ball nearly as much as these other quarterbacks do. And I get it. I'm not saying he's not a great player. But in terms of passing the ball, obviously I can't put him lower than seven because of the things he can do. And he does play quarterback technically. But doesn't throw the ball nearly as much as every other quarterback does. I think I averaged out. I think he throws it about 24 times a game. So they're very much run-centric. We know that. Right. But the same reason why I'm putting Lamar 7 is the same reason why nobody puts Michael Vick in the greatest of all time conversation because he's not. Great player, one of the most electric of all time, one of the best NFL players in terms of just pure talent of all time. I don't think there's any denying that. 
But the same thing's true for Lamar Jackson. Electrifying, incredible, probably the best player in football right now, but he's not a top five arm talent in football. But you can't put him below, you know, a certain number because he was the MVP, so you got to put him in there somewhere. But in terms of my top 20, I don't think there's maybe one or two who I think have better, who have worse arms than him in terms of accuracy and everything. So um, you got to put him in the top 10 just because he won the MVP. But in terms of just, you know, pure quarterback play, I don't think he's even a top 10 quarterback in terms of pure pure quarterback arm play but I can't wait until I can't wait until Lamar comes out next year starts throwing 40 times a game and lights up the league and then you got to eat your words not that I I love Lamar it wouldn't be the first time I've eaten my words on anything so I'm not afraid of it whatsoever he can throw all he wants here's the thing when he did throw a lot it never ended well he threw I think 43 times against Kansas City um, because they got down early. That's the thing. You get the Ravens down early. You got to make Lamar throw. You're going to win the game because he can't throw you back into the game. So as long as you get up by 10, you're probably going to beat Baltimore because they can't get themselves back into a game by passing. So there's my little stint on Lamar Jackson that by far will not be the last one as we continue this show. So I'll move on to number eight now. I've got Thomas Brady there um, heading over to Tampa Bay. I think he'll be jumping up this list as the season goes on, just because Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, um, a solid pass rush. I think they need to get a veteran presence in the secondary because they are incredibly young there, but I think the Bucks are going to be a playoff team, and I think Tom Brady's going to thrive with the weapons that he has around him. Tom Brady is number eight. Number nine, I've got Mr. Big Yukon Cornelius, Ben Roethlisberger himself. Um, obviously, he missed almost all of last year with injury, um, but in a recent interview, he says he's throwing without pain for the first time in years. He's lighter than he's been in quite a few years. I cannot wait for my Steelers to get back on the field with seven at the helm. Um, I can't wait for this defense and Ben Roethlisberger to all be playing at the same time. I think that this whole injury was very much a blessing in disguise because it brought us Minka Fitzpatrick. It brought us this incredible defense. And not only do we have that, we're going to have Ben Roethlisberger healthy, uh, potentially J.K. Dobbins, which I'm crossing everything I've got for that. Um, we'll see how Juju bounces back. Deontay Johnson led all receiver, led all rookie receivers and catches, which was very underrated uh, this year. So Ben Roethlisberger, number nine. And then number 10, I've got Kirk Cousins, number 10. And a lot of people gave me gut for that too, which I don't understand. I mean, you look at his numbers, he had a very, very good season. Um, started off really slow and then, you know, got caught out by Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. And then after that, the Vikings just decided to not lose again. Um, he played phenomenal, 26 touchdowns to six interceptions. Um, he played really well. So, Kirk Cousins, number 10, um, to round out my top 10 on the list. All right. So, I got Big Ben just peeking out on the top 10. I have him sitting at 11. Okay. Um, yes, yes, he has had an outstanding career, all that, but we don't know if he's going to come back and be the Ben Roethlisberger of old. Um, for your sake, I hope he does, but... Uh, he might be coming in a little slow, a little rusty here. So for now, I got him at 11, but that is subject to change. Uh, and at number 12, I have Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray does not nearly get enough love. We've talked about this many times. Kyler Murray uh, is a phenomenal talent out there, and he just got DeAndre Hopkins. So he is going to have an outstanding year if uh, sorry Arizona can build up that offensive line. Help him out a little bit there. Uh, get him some a little bit of a run game there with Kenyon Drake. So Kyler Murray is a great, great talent in this league, and I think he's going to be a great quarterback going forward here. Um, and at number 13, I have the the guy that's been around forever. It seems like the forgotten guy, Matt Stafford out there in Detroit. Um, he's had a rough career. 
has always kind of been just the mediocre team. Lions haven't been able to get it done. So I feel bad for Matt Stafford, but he continues to produce. He continues to have great years. Uh, last year he was out more than half the year with an injury, so hopefully he can get back to it. But every time that he has started consistently 4,000 yards, he just he plays great. So I got Matt Stafford at 13. And here we go, number 14. Can you guess who it would be? I'm assuming Take it's big number 17 in Buffalo. You are so right, my friend. Josh <laughs> Allen sitting there at 14. Um, I mean, yes, I'm, I'm a diehard Bills fan. I know that Josh Allen is not great by any means. Uh, he has a lot to work on, but he is very good. He is a great talent. Uh, uh, he is a great prospect in this league because, like Rudy was talking about, he has so much potential. He has that pure athleticism that can just – he can throw it 90 yards, and then he can run it for 20 yards, and he can <laughs> win games for you. I will go on and on and on and on and on all day about him if I could, but I can't right now. So Josh Allen in there at 14, and to round it out at 15, I got Dak Prescott. I know how you feel about Dak, and I agree. I think that Dak needs a lot of help around him to succeed, but I think he does have a lot of talent, and I don't know if he should be a $30 million a year guy, but I think whoever's going to get him has to pay him that. Um, so I got Dak Prescott sitting there at 15 for the Dallas Cowboys. All right, I can respect that. And this is where I made some amendments to mine. Because like, like I said, as I did this, I once I got past the top 10, I was just, you know, would I rather have, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo or would I rather have Kyler Murray? And then I just kind of made a list through that. So when I get to some certain players, I'll make some keynotes on that. So we'll start at number 11. I've got Matt Ryan at 11. And that might even be too low for Matt Ryan because – his team's lack of success does not fall on him. It falls on his defense for being so bad. Their pass rush is bad. Their secondary is bad. Just everything on their defense is bad. Offensively, and they gave Devontae Freeman that big contract. He kind of underperformed there, obviously, which led to them cutting him. But Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, um, a very, very good receiver, receiving duo, uh, which I think will continue to be very successful um, this season and in the coming years. Matt Ryan's still going to play his butt off and um, try to carry the Falcons as much as he can. So number 11 is Matt Ryan. I've got, I might even switch this because I've got Jimmy Garoppolo at 12, but I also had Matthew Stafford at 13. I think I might amend this right now and put Matthew Stafford at 12. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you can do that. I think it's already printed. In you Word think it's already printed? Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I, when I was thinking about Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, I was thinking, what did he, I wonder what his numbers were this season. And they were a lot better than I thought they were. I mean, he had 27 touchdown passes, um, didn't turn the ball over a lot. Um, and a lot of people will say, well, this is Kyle Shanahan's, you know, system. He's going to run the ball a lot if, you know, his quarterback isn't feeling it. And when his quarterback is feeling it, he's going to let him rip. And I say, what's wrong with that? That's smart football. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, right. he's human. He's not going to be perfect every game. And when Kyle Shanahan sees that, he's going to go to the run game. So I think that Jimmy Garoppolo at 12 isn't bad at all. Um, obviously, he helped lead a team to a Super Bowl last year. People are going to say, well, that defense was incredible. Well, yeah, obviously the defense was good, but the offense had to do you know, at least something to get them there. And you look at that game against the Saints, Jimmy Garoppolo balled out um, in the Dome against New Orleans in a game that they had to win. I think that was coming off the game in which they lost in Baltimore on a last-second field goal. And they had just lost a few weeks prior um, against Seattle in overtime on a field goal. So, I mean, there were people starting to question how real the 49ers were. They go into New Orleans and beat the Saints, and Jimmy Garoppolo played great. So Jimmy Garoppolo is number 13. And then I do have Matthew Stafford. Now, this is one that a lot of people 
Uh, I got DMs about Matthew Stafford after that list, <laughs> saying, like, why is Matthew Stafford 17, which is originally what I put him. And like I said, you know, my thought process was very much similar to yours. Okay, he missed more than half the year, so, I mean, I'm probably going to put him lower on the list. But then they said, like, look back at his stats. I actually had a conversation with a guy whose name, I think, I think he has his name as Maxwell Stafford on Twitter. I don't know if that's his real name, but that's what his Twitter name was. So, Maxwell, if you're listening to this, I enjoyed my conversation with you. But, um... Yeah, he DM'd me about Matt Stafford. He's like, look, just look at his stats from when he was healthy. He was a 30-10 and 10 guy. And I looked back, and, he, I mean, he wasn't wrong. I mean, Matthew Stafford did ball out in 2018, even if the Lions did not, you know, end up going too far. Um, but, yeah, Matthew Stafford, like you said, he's been very much in purgatory for almost his entire career, minus, I think, the one playoff appearance that the Lions had. Um, he's been great. Um, and unfortunately, he was having a great year last year before he got hurt as well. So Matthew Stafford doesn't get nearly the love that he should because of his team success. But 13, I think, is a very good spot for him. 14 is going to surprise some people, and I don't care, but it's Sam Darnold. Yeah, Sam, yeah. Sam Darnold. Look, I love Sam Darnold. I feel like if he just had a little bit of help, the Jets could have been a playoff team last year after he came back. If you remember, I had the Jets as the sixth seed last preseason I saw that they got Le'Veon Bell their offensive line wasn't very good but I was hoping that they could overcome it which they could not because Sam Darnold was sacked almost every other play it seemed he was under pressure constantly Le'Veon Bell couldn't run anywhere because the offensive line's so bad defensively Tremaine Johnson was a very big bust signing CJ Mosley I think dealt with injuries as well so um they're fixed I think they're going to fix all these issues uh come draft time um, they did just lose Robbie Anderson to Carolina, which I think very much opens the realm of possibility for them to draft Jerry Judy um, at number 11. So we'll see what they do there or if they decide to go offensive line. Either way, if they give you know Sam Darnold one very good weapon and then a solid number two and just a little bit of help on the offensive line, I think the Jets could very much be a contender, at least for a wild card spot this year with the new seven spot. And then number 15 is Kyler Murray. I do, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Kyler Murray was not talked about nearly as much as he should have been this past year because Every station talked about Lamar Jackson for two hours. Um, Kyler Murray played very well. I think uh, 3,500 yards and 500 yards rushing. Uh, the only quarterback in the NFL to do that this year, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if Lamar threw for 3,500 yards. I would have to double-check that. But either way, uh, Kyler played great. Um, I think he just got progressively better. Now he gets DeAndre Hopkins to throw to as well. I think the Cardinals are going to be very fun to watch this year, at least offensively. Um, and Kyler's going to be a very big part of that. So that is my 11 through 15. All right, my friend. So I will go on my little Sam Darnold spiel here. Um, as a Bills fan, I do not hate Sam Darnold. Um, Sam Darnold is a very good quarterback. I like Sam Darnold a lot. Uh, I think him and Josh Allen are very similar, too. They're both young. They're both coming in. They're, they're experienced, but they're not they – they have a lot to learn. Um, I think that Sam Darnold really needs to work on his decision-making. It's been pretty ugly these past, or these past two years that he's been in. And I think that he's got a lot, of, a lot of talent. I think he does need a lot of help around him. Like you said, they need to build up that line. They need to get him some more weapons. He's got Le'Veon, but he needs some uh, wide receivers to throw to. So Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, they're very similar. They're actually best friends. They live together during the offseason. I don't know if you knew that. They live together in California. I did not know that. They live together in California during the offseason, so they're best friends off the field. So um, I do like Sam Darnold, and I have him at 16, so he's not too far off from me. Um, I got Jimmy G at 17. I myself am not a Jimmy Garoppolo fan. 
I don't think he's worth the money. I don't think he was worth the second round pick. I don't think that he is all that. Um, Let me I just say, okay, I don't think he's worth the money either by any means. I just wanted to throw that in there. By no means is Jimmy Garoppolo worth, I think, what, the $137 million contract that he got? Yeah. So continue. Yep. Uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, he took the team to the Super Bowl great, but some of the games, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't light it up. He's not, oh, my God, Jimmy G won that game for them. I mean, they, they won that game against Green Bay in the playoffs. We talk about this all the time. He threw the ball eight times. Yes, this is, this is Kyle Shanahan saying let's run the, run the hell out of the ball and Raheem Mostar runs for 220 yards. But still, if you have a elite quarterback or even just a great quarterback in this league, you trust him to throw the ball more than eight times. So I do not think that Jimmy Garoppolo is – one of the top talents in this league. I think he's a good quarterback, but I just don't think so. So I have him at 17. Um, I have Teddy Bridgewater at 18, too, because we don't really know about Teddy. He's been starter. He's been backup. He's been starter. He's been backup. So I have him at 18. I think he's a good talent. I liked him coming out when he was uh, coming out of Louisville. So I have Teddy Bridgewater there at 18, and Baker Mayfield following him up. He had a really bad year last year, but uh, with some extra offensive help, build up that offensive line, I think he could really have a good Bounce back year this year after a sophomore slump, so I have him at 19. And 20, I have Derek Carr. Um, I'm a fan of Derek Carr. A lot of people really aren't. A lot of people want him out of uh, Las Vegas now. They want him off the Raiders. But I think Derek Carr is a very capable quarterback. I think he's better than a lot of quarterbacks in this league. So I have him sitting at number 20 there. All right, so 16. I've got Dak Prescott at 16. Again, after I looked at kind of this middle-of-the-pack stuff. Um, I moved him up. I think I had him 19 originally. I moved him up to 16 above the guys who I'm about to name. Uh, you know how I feel about Dak Prescott. Uh, he's a guy who needs everything around him to be perfect in order to win. Um, his stats look very pretty last year, but let's go back and see how much of it was him throwing when they're down by 10 in the fourth quarter because, you know, they, they were losing. So I feel like a lot of his stats are a little bit inflated um, because of that. So you know how I feel about Dak. Uh, he's definitely not worth $30 million a year. Um, he's got to have everything be perfect for him to win. And we'll see if he can prove me wrong this year now that he's lost a lot on both sides of the ball. 17, Teddy Bridgewater. I agree with you. We don't really know right now. He had five games last year where, you know, he went 5-0. and um, But he was never really necessarily the reason they won those games. He's very much a game manager. So, Teddy, we'll see how he does in Carolina. I don't think they're going to be anything spectacular. Um, but we'll see. 17, Teddy Bridgewater. I've got Cam at 18. Um... I don't know what we're going to see from Cam wherever he goes. Um, I mean, like Rudy said, he could either be a starter somewhere or he could be a backup that, you know, I think I tweeted this out yesterday. I think that he could be in a situation very similar to Teddy Bridgewater in 2018 when the Jets signed him. He played great in the preseason. He gets traded to a team who needs him or wants him more. So let's say a quarterback does get injured and they need a last second replacement. They call up whoever does sign him. They give a second round pick for Cam Newton and all of a sudden he's the starter. Very similar to how uh, Sam Bradford was traded from Philadelphia to Minnesota after Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, and then Carson Wentz became the starter for the Eagles, and then Sam Bradford uh, was the starter for Minnesota that year. So I think that we could see something very similar to that for Kamet. Uh, he's 18. I got your boy Josh Allen at 19. Don't get me wrong, I've given Josh Allen tons of love on several shows that we've done together, so I don't want to hear any slander. I like Josh <laughs> Allen. I think he's very good um, in terms of being a mobile quarterback, but he does need a, he's got one of the maybe the second best arm in football behind Patrick Mahomes in terms of power and distance that he can throw, but he does need to work on accuracy. 
he needs to work on his decision making. He needs to just let it fly sometimes, man. I feel like he play, we've talked about this before as well. He plays afraid sometimes. I feel like he's just afraid to make a bad decision and throw an interception where he goes through the check down a lot or he'll just take a sack. I think Josh Allen just needs to start letting it fly and see what happens because right now, I think that if he does start to do that, become uh, somewhat of a conservative gunslinger, if that, I get that's kind of an oxymoron, but if if he just lets it fly occasionally, at least a little bit more than what he does now, I think that he can be a much better quarterback um, if he works and on his accuracy a little bit. Let me let me just touch on that real quick. I think that is has to do with he had all new weapons come in last year. He had John Brown and Cole Beasley being signed last year in free agency, so he had an offseason to work with them. He had Dawson Knox and uh, Tyler Croft coming in at tight end, so he hasn't had a, he didn't have a lot of time to work with them. So he built up the, all that trust throughout the whole season. Uh, I, I would think that he finished out the year a lot stronger than he did to start. So I think he's got that trust with them. And now look, you've got Stephon Diggs coming in. So he's got an offseason to work with them. So I think it all comes down to trust with his weapons. And I think that's when you kind of see him play a little less uh, scared. And maybe he can let it fly this year. We shall see. And the number 20, I have Ryan Sandhill at 20. Um, I think that's fair. I think that he was a guy who... I mean, he got a $696 million contract with Miami after he went 27 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. And then he kind of fell off, um, you know, a lot of coaching stuff going on in Miami that really didn't work in his favor. He goes to Tennessee last year and has an incredible year, takes him to the AFC Championship game. Um, Now, I know a lot of people are going to give all the credit to Derrick Henry, and he deserves a lot of it. But Ryan Tannehill had very good historic numbers if you look at all his stats, um, specifically passer rating. Um, He played very well. So... I want to see him do it again. I can't put him too much higher just because it it's, feels like lightning in a bottle. It feels kind of like Brock Osweiler. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'm not saying that he is Brock Osweiler. I think Tannehill's better than he is. So um, we'll see what happens. But for right now, I feel like 20 is a good spot for him. I think that we are experts when it comes to this, and uh, we just listed off a great top 20. So uh, I will that probably did. be tweeting mine out sometime, and uh, I can't wait for all the hate that comes with it. I'm very excited for all the hate that comes with it. Now, you can also, and we were talking about this earlier, the Laces Out Twitter page, we will get that up, and we will tweet out a little bit of teaser stuff as well. So be sure to follow us um, once we get all that stuff situated. You can follow me on Twitter, Jarrett underscore Bailey 4. Um, you'll get all the information there. And then, Kurt, tell them your Twitter to kind of get the, all this information coming to them next. Yes, sir. Until then, until we uh, get a new, new uh, page up, you can find me on Twitter at Kurt, K-U-R-T, Homester, H-A-U-M-E-S-S-E-R-88. Uh, for all your good stuff, all your build stuff, follow me along for this offseason. Uh, really appreciate the love. Really appreciate Rudy coming on today. Uh, a very fun show. Love being able to talk football, especially at a time like this when we got nothing else going on. So That is true. Uh, so everybody, please stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Stay away. Stay indoors with your family, and uh, we will get through this. That we will. And, again, thank you to Sam Gordon and everybody at Primetime Sports for bringing us on, giving us another show to do. Um, Very much looking forward to continuing Laces Out on Primetime. You can also check us out on Spotify uh, and Apple Podcasts as well um, as we continue this journey with you in a very weird time on Laces Out. But, again, thank you so much for joining us. For Kurt Homicer, I'm Jarrett Bailey. Again, we'll get you all this Twitter stuff up to date and uh, get you all the information you need to keep up with us. So thanks for listening. Thank you to Rudy Carpenter for coming on. We'll have another show uh, within the week to try to keep you entertained while you're in quarantine. So, Kurt, my guy, we'll talk very soon. 
Yes, sir. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.